Hello and welcome to the Weekend Booktopian, the podcast where a few booktopians get together each week to talk book news, share what we've been reading, and then face off in a deadly round of book trivia that we like to call book fight. I'm Olivia Frico, senior content producer and editor of the Booktopian blog, and I'm delighted to once again be your host this week. Joining me today is Ashley Berry, our campaign's coordinator. Hi, Ash. Hey. Uh, Zia K. Ruse, executive assistant to the CEO. Hello. And Nick Vasiliev, our social media specialist. Always the last. Always last. <laughs> it's your <laughs> fault for having a last name starts with W. Yeah, I know. It's the story of my life. It's it's a consistent thing. They would do it at, at, like when you're in school. They occasionally turn it around just to make you feel better. Like they do <laughs> W first. and like, this doesn't make a difference. This is tokenistic, but it's cool. Yeah. That's the last. Yeah. You're really a victim of tokenism, aren't you, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> the one white male in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh, man. Welcome, everyone. Let's <laughs> no, get into a flyer. <laughs> oh, and I know. So, uh, on to book news. Um, our book news is a little bit stale uh, because last week's book, um, last, week, last week's episode, pardon me, uh, was filmed on a Wednesday. Filmed? Recorded on a Wednesday. My bad. Um, so, and of course, all of the most exciting book news in the world happened the very next day. And we couldn't not talk about it. So... First, our first topic uh, of today's podcast is the Sydney Writers Festival program was announced. Uh, it was announced last week. Nick, what can you tell us about this year's cracking lineup? Oh, it looks so good. It yeah. does. So it's returning to Carriage Works in 2021, um, and will be running from the 26th of April to the 2nd of May. And so the theme for uh, this uh, for this year's festival is called is within reach which celebrates the power of literature to bring us closer to worlds ideas and voices beyond our own which i think is incredibly fitting given the the year we had <laughs> in 2020 mm. and uh, the division that is kind of around right now i think it's a very good theme and uh, there is so much to like about this program um the likes of you know Helen Garner Richard Flanagan Annabelle Crabb Bruce Pascoe um Stan Grant, Judith Lucy. Mm. But one of the things that I'm particularly uh, excited about is, you know, we live in a post-COVID, we live in a COVID world right now and uh, there's a lot more accessibility around this festival, which I'm particularly interested in. Um, that it's in person, isn't it? There is in person. No, it's everywhere. It's yeah. literally everywhere. So it's there's events not just taking place at Carriage Works, but there's also the Sydney Town Hall where they're doing an event with Paul Kelly. There's the Sydney Recital Hall with uh, Kazuo Ishiguro, the author of uh, Clara and the Sun. Um, there's the State Library of New South Wales. Chatswood is is hosting this author. You may have heard of him, Trent Dalton. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, some. Who's he? Who's he? No idea. <laughs> um, even the Riverside Theatre in Parramatta is mm. is getting involved in it as well. So, and that's even before we get to the online events. Um, that there's a lot more of an online element as well. You've got authors like Kate Grenville, Anita Hess, Candace Fox, and even the New South Wales Prim, uh, Premier Literacy Awards are happening uh, online. So, really, wherever you are in Sydney, there is an event happening close to you. So there's not really an excuse to to not get out and and go check it out. Um, there is so much to like about this uh, this program, and I think it's going to be a, a really, really successful festival um, in terms of physical events, but also just the accessibility online. Yeah, especially since last year's got completely cancelled. Oh, that was yeah. devastating because that was such a good lineup. <laughs> it was, it was. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's. Look, I think maybe the fact that they're going hard on it this year, you mm. can tell because they have. Uh, 
there's I think there's a real energy around the, the festival this year because the because of the fact that last year everything was just thrown into complete chaos by uh, by uh, by the by the pandemic and so I think there's a, a, re, a kind of a renewed sense of real energy to the festival this year and I'm really excited. Yeah, as am I. Uh, so moving on. Um we have the 2021 Women's Prize for Fiction long list uh, was also announced last week, uh, featuring a mix of established authors, debut novelists, and the prize's very first transgender nominee uh, in Toria Peters. Um, so this prize was established in 1996 to celebrate and showcase women's writing. And I think this long list is incredible. Um, it's a nice mix of like literary fiction and also some really accessible contemporary um contemporary stuff so there's Because of You by Dawn French, Burnt Sugar by Avni Doshi, Consent by Annabelle Lyon, uh, Detransition Baby by Tori Peters, Exciting Times by Nisha Dolan, How the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House by Shereen Jones. That's so interested in. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Luster by Raven Lalani, uh, No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood, Nothing But Blue Sky by Kathleen McMahon, Piranesi by Susanna Clarke, Small Pleasures by Claire Chambers, Summer by Ali Smith, The Golden Rule by Amanda Craig, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, Transcendent Kingdom by Yag Yassi, and Unsettled Ground by Claire Fuller. And I love this list. It's really good. Um, I've read Exciting Times, Piranesi and Summer. They're all really strong books. And I literally have the audiobook of Luster um, lined up and ready to go in my library audiobook app. Um, so what have we read from this list and what are we keen to read and what do we want to see on the shortlist? Um, I've I've read Burnt Sugar out of these mm. in my endeavours last year to read the book of shortlist titles. <laughs> uh, it fell into that. But looking at this list, it just reminds me of how much I actually have in my to-be-read piles. You know, yeah. a handful of these. I just, they're sitting there waiting for me. And, you know, this is one of those pushes you need. Mm. But in saying that, it's actually really refreshing to just looking at the list and seeing how many titles I've already heard of mm. or perhaps I've already read and are just being talked about, like, you know, Vanishing Half. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't even know where to start as to which one will win, but you'd yeah. have to think of all the publicity. That one's a top contender. Mm. It's on my to-be-read list. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get to it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really just a way to add more books to what I need to read Um, but overall it's exciting to you know see books I'm interested in paired with ones I hadn't heard of yeah so logically I'd like them I always say that when because I'm a little bit more removed than everybody else because I I Mm. hijack I always ask to be involved in these things (laughs) because I am I do love love books but I'm not really involved in the day-to-day with the authors and I my reading becomes a bit skewed so when I get the links to the lists I'm like oh, I'm gonna go check these books out so I don't sound like a complete idiot not knowing and then I go through and I just spent 40 minutes going through the entire list and I have 11 out of 16 that I am like dying to read <laughs> my top three would probably be how the uh, one-armed sister sweeps her house I'm always about um, stories about women's experiences in cultures that are different to mine or in West, you know, the Western depiction of a woman's life. And I'm always truly fascinated, which mm. is, you know, based in Barbados and, you know, um, a perfect island paradise. We always think of, you know, coconuts and, and pina coladas, but they're behind the scenes and the resorts behind the resorts, there is a, a completely different reality in terms mm. of Haiti, Jamaica, uh, Barbados, um, Dominican Republic, Cuba, all those, all those, um, you know, 
holiday destinations. And um, I'm really fascinated into that one. The other one would be um, uh, Transcendent Kingdom. Hmm. That really sort of hits a little bit close to home. So I was like, oh, yeah, I want to know about that, especially around addiction and all of that. Anyway, hmm. and because of you. Look, I'm a yeah. parent. I'm a parent. I don't particularly enjoy being a parent. I love my children. I love having my children. I just don't enjoy being a parent. And I always look around going, am I the only one? <laughs> so um, read the read the uh, sort of brief one. It's like basically really sort of funny to read and quite insightful and warm. And, and I'm hoping that it'll sort of give me that you're not alone and it's okay to, to not to, to dislike your children a lot sometimes, especially when they're getting ready for school and the whole thing around it. So um, I'm a lot older than all of you, so I, I kind of think this sort of resonates a bit closer to my heart. Yeah. It's also by Dawn French. Who doesn't love Dawn French? Who doesn't? Yeah. She's hilarious. Absolutely. And I think that'll be a bit sort of not too um, – it'll be humour but and not too uh, safe. I don't know if you yeah. say that, you know. So it's a left yeah. field one for me, I think, in in that yeah. sele- in that selection because I, I, we, a lot of those other books uh, have been have kind of been on the radar for mm. a while. Mm. I mean, I have seen Burnt Sugar in every single prize yeah. nomination yeah. this year. I feel like when I saw it, I just went, "That's been like it's been everywhere." It's going to be, be good. good. To, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's. I mean, yeah. it is amazing. Right, no, I'm adding that to. It is on my list. <laughs> yeah, like it <laughs> is amazing. Don't get me wrong. That's not a. That's not a slouch on uh, on burnt sugar at all because mm. the book is amazing. But you just hope it actually wins something at some point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be like Charlotte Woods' The Weekend, which I think was nominated for like every major Australian prize, and I think it took out like. I can't quite remember. One of the premier's literary prizes, I think. Mm. It was just like, oh, there were so many good books that year. But imagine, like, you just get nominated for everything. But yeah, there's a couple that, like... Like Leonardo DiCaprio and never winning. <laughs> you know, like, who, like, never gets an Oscar. It was like, for years, he'd be there and... Yeah. yeah. Well, Charlotte Wood won the Stella Prize once, so you know what. Well, she, <laughs> she's not struggling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, neither is Leo, though. Pretty yeah, sure. no. <laughs> I mean, like, poor Leo. I'm like, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Give an Oscar to Amy Adams. That's who needs one. Oh, my yeah. God. Yes. Oh, here, here. <laughs> All right. So uh, the shortlist of six books will be announced on the 28th of April. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Is and that going to be on the site, on our website? Of course. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. Thanks, Liv. <laughs> and the winner is crowned on the 7th of July. So stay tuned. Um, so now we're going to talk about what we've been reading and loving. Nick. Would you like to go first? I absolutely would love to go first. Thank, uh, thank you very you. much. White male privilege. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally joking. You know, I know. I, love I, feel, you. I, feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm being, I'm being cornered in this one here. <laughs> um, but staying with controversial and interesting topics, the I've been on a, as, as you probably know, Liv, I've been on a bit of a non-fiction kick mm. lately since uh, picking up Shani Layton's uh, No Apologies and I've just been on, enjoying those non-fiction and analytical books. Um, and... This, uh, this first book has been on my radar for a while. I've been reading two books over, over the last couple of weeks and uh, I've been particularly interested by the nature of the way that we're consuming media at the moment. And it's a very strange, very weird time where there's absolutes on all sides and it's a very kind of uh, fractured analysis. And I've been recommended this book for a long time which is called Manufacturing Consent, which is by uh, a bloke... Or to, by um, Noam Chomsky. And just, you know, a bloke called a bloke. Noam. <laughs> yeah, a bloke, sorry, I just realised. Yeah, some guy called Noam Chomsky, but he's a, he's, a, he's a real expert in this field. And it's a really powerful assessment of just how the mass media 
works. And I, and I, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because we could but talk... isn't about... it scary, though? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> but You've, you brought this book up on a podcast with Zia. I think we are about to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> um, but it's just it, the, what the book does is essentially analyse how uh, it fails to... how the mass media kind of fails to provide the kind of information that we need to actually understand the world, essentially. And, you know, it, it's... It kind of describes how particularly, you know, the, the focus of the kind of the marketplace and the economic pressure of publishing and journalism is effectively how the news gets shaped in the, and how the news that is delivered to the, the, the populace is, you know, is crafted and then consumed. And, it got, you know, it provides examples throughout history. It talks about how the Russian invasion of Afghanistan was framed through to federal elections um, and it showcases that of course there's a lot of double standards in this particular in this mm. particular regard um, and it, it sounds quite timely I know given the current political discourse that we're having but this book was published in 1988 mm. <laughs> which kind of I think gives is really interesting mm. um, it shows a lot of the stuff that people are getting upset about has actually been a consistent issue for a really long period of time and what I'm really liking about this book um, and it's more just from like just a reading and actual how the book is crafted perspective as well is Chomsky and uh, the the other author whose name has actually just escaped me and I'm very sorry about that um, Edmund Herman sorry Edmund Herman um, he builds they, they kind of build to an eventual conclusion um, which is kind of different from similar books that you see like this where basically the first chapter they just fling the end results at you and then build up the results. To make you basically supporting that, that mm. first Correct. position. Correct. And so they kind of – what I find really interesting is basically – they, you know, they hit you with all the like a normal book like this would hit you with all the results, all the results of these findings right off the bat, and then in the subsequent cha chapters try to prove to you why things are the way they are. Um, it feels a lot more of an actual research process. Uh, this book, and uh, while it's uh, it can be a bit whew, a lot of stuff to process here, it is a very fascinating, and interesting book, and uh, still very relevant given the <laughs> given the nature of of how people are talking to each other and how news is consumed. Nice light reading to yeah. kick us off this week. <laughs> I'm interested in that title, Manufacturing Consent. Like, Yes. Can you share a little bit about the meaning behind the title? So like basically there's a, a, it, one of the things that um, Herman and Noam Chomsky kind of talk about uh, early on in the book is basically the propaganda model, mm. which is essentially how media itself based on the actual framing or the context of, of the framing around a particular news story, for example, it basically creates this... Uh, it basically simplifies the argument and turns it into a... The, it simplifies the debate considerably and basically... To, and which leads to the idea around... But also frames it around uh, uh, key trends correct. to make it yes. relevant, which then ultimately in a lot of the time skews the actual um, what's happening and then form gets you to form an Get, opinion. Gets you to form an opinion about something that you actually are only seeing a real simplified version, version of. of. So it's not 
you're not getting all the du- you're not getting all the information because they only want to suck you in for this much because they mm. only get you for 3.5 seconds so between titles and also hits on nerves and people's like you know exactly for example a story about you know something be like you know racist x and yeah. it brings you into that so whatever drives you and forms it's about mm. using the words and all of that and, and yeah, yeah. And, the, and the big reason why they talk about that is again going back to this kind of marketplace and economically driven model they want to get as many people looking at the news Correct. as possible and the only and one of the key ways that they do that is through this framing mm. to make it a look a lot more extreme, a lot more this side and that side. You need to, right. yeah. It's a very which is kind of where this again they manufacture the narrative. And do they talk about? I don't know if I've read the book about about journalist journalist ethics and how that sort of changed and and around how the the economy of journalism has kind of tainted the craft or how there's like divide because you know how a lot of journalists like with like real news for example you know fake mm-hmm. news real news that all that kind of stuff within within that industry i'm just curious well i'm about look i'm about halfway through it right now but and the and it's more of a description around the and what i've kind of talked about so they've talked about so far is the nature of right. using this propaganda model style to basically try and see, seek economic mm. incentive um It'd be, curi- it'd be very curious to see how it actually looks at the end because near the end of the book, I, for, I know for a fact that they kind of they talk about how you can actually kind of read this and subsequently try and find something more independent within analysing that. And mm. additionally as well, because the book is a bit of an older book, I think we live in a time right now, it, I think the, the issues it talks about have only gotten worse. And this was also published in a time before we had the online realm and before... The actual oh, wow. world of journalism and, and media is kind what of in the dice. Nineteen eighty-eight. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. So it's it's before journalism has kind of fallen into the the, the hole that it has now. Of it's quite interesting though. It shows you that this is this is long time coming, mm. right? It this is a very yes. It's, you know, it's, a it's very not long like Facebook. Facebook's doing all of this. Like you hear a lot of people going, <laughs> you know, Facebook the devil. Wait a minute. This has been happening for a while, and it's just these platforms and have just sort of maybe made it actually just brought on the journey i guess yeah it's look it, yeah it's even it's just a very fascinating read and i highly recommend everyone checks it out because it is a book that is very relevant these days but we'll move on because i, I have one more <laughs> other book to talk about but i'll be very quick with mine which is please do take your time <laughs> live it's it's we live in a time right now i know you and i our to be red poles are out of control because yep. you and i host this podcast you understand it you get it i get it I've only recently been able to pick up the happiest man on earth, which gives you a sense of how of, of uh, how many books I have to uh, I have to go through because every is single that time. Is that Undo? No, no, Eddie no. This is Eddie Jacku. Oh, uh, it's a it's another uh, nonfiction. Uh, a really happy beautiful. refugee. That's the other one. Sorry. Yes, that's right. Sorry. Um, it's a really beautiful memoir and an incredible story of of life about his life and overcoming and surviving the Holocaust, especially uh, Auschwitz's concentration camps. Um, he then talks about you know how he moved to Australia in 1950, but it's while there's a lot of sad stuff in this book, it's very intense. It, it kind of it blew up last year, um, as you all know, and of course Joel named it as one of his favourite non-fiction uh, books mm. of the year, um, and rightly so. Um, it's a it's a beautiful story and a beautiful volume, and it's kind of very it's it helps you imp- appreciate. Um, the important things in life and what you have and you know even when he goes into the details about moments in the camps talking about how you know they would uh 
there would be people banding together to support each other to stop people being taken to the gas chambers, which is incredible how, you know, he'd tell stories of how they'd be drinking coffee and then when they found out the Nazis had put chemicals in the coffee, which was with, with done with the aim to chemically castrate all the males drinking it, then they'd all stop drinking coffee or how when there was, you know, if there was a lice infection, if one person had a lice infection, all the people in this particular hut would be taken to the gas chambers and so they would all work together to, like, actually clean each other to, so they would all survive. Um, oh, God. He, yeah, no, it's, look, it's in, here's the thing, it's intense, but the, he, what is amazing, he pulls the hopeful the hopeful elements out of that the camaraderie out of that which i mean obviously this is we're talking about a very intense um and very sad you know traumatic um, experience traumatic moment in human history here um even in these moments he he somehow finds hope which just which kind of lives up to the title of the book i think and my partner also read it the other day and she and I'm trying to steal it back from her because she read it in a, in a whole afternoon. It was like insane how quickly she read it because she enjoyed it so much. Um, but an absolutely incredible and hopeful memoir about the triumph of the human spirit. Um, happiest Man on Earth, if you haven't heard about it, which I'm amazed if you haven't, um, anyone listening to this, go check it out. It is incredible. Mm, my mum actually read it and she's not a reader at all. But yeah, she wouldn't read. She loves the sense of hope. Mm. So that's what really she again read it so quick. Yeah. She gave it straight to me and said, read it, which I haven't yet because my pile. Um, <laughs> Go back to the pile. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, in the same vein, like she absolutely loved it and mm. just came away feeling, I don't know, feeling good about herself. Like you said, it's a weird one to feel good after, but I think he just instills so much. It's, it's, it's kind of like you. it's – you're just proud of him at the end mm. in a weird way because he's just this person. He's a person who has gone through so much and, you know, has recently turned 100 and is still just so grateful for the things that he has, even despite overcoming some of the worst moments. Perspective, the, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it just, it, it's, a th it's a book about really lending perspective and I think that hope element really comes out. It's a great book. Thank you, Nick. Those are some stellar recommendations there. <laughs> I know, a bit, a, bit, a bit heavier this week. I'm sorry. No, oh, don't worry. it's, I've great. Got it's the, great. I've got the least heavy stuff here, so we'll go in a circle and I'll lighten the mood at the end. If you're sure, Z, I was going to go to you next, but if you want, I can go straight to Ash. No, no, I'm happy to go second or third. I'm happy to do whatever. Ash, what have you brought? Um, so my ones are fiction reads, so I feel like I'm going to be a good middle ground between you two. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so the first one I'm going to talk about, I've got my notes here, I finished it half an hour ago. Uh, it's Who is More Dixon by Alexandra Andrews. Uh, so this is a debut crime fiction. So it came out earlier this month. It was recommended uh, to me by someone in the office. Uh, the hook for this book is she was the only person who knew Helen Wilcox was dead. So, yeah, this is a story about a character called Florence. She wants to be a writer uh, she was working as an assistant editor in a publishing house, got fired, managed to score a dream job as an assistant to this best-selling author, Maud Dixon, um, who works un under the pseudonym of Maud Dixon, so no one knows her identity. So this is a really top-secret job. You can't tell anyone. There'll be a gap on your resume kind of situation. Um, skipping a whole bunch of it, they end up going uh, to Morocco on a research trip, and then it all just happens. Um, so the moments I sat down to read this, I read it really fast. It's one of those, um, kind of 
it's a combination of easy to read plus you just want to keep reading. Um, so I was quite tense throughout the whole read. You know, it's a crime fiction. I'm expecting something. I'm expecting a mystery or something to go wrong. Um, so really good in building suspense in that way because I was I was I, ready for it. I know, but you are leading up to throw us right down a cliff going, there was it nothing It literally, the, the way I've put it, it, it goes from, you know, a really like nice paced, tense, you know, things are happening to then just go, go, go. Like oh. things just started unraveling, um, revelations coming out, realizations, you know, it's a real uh, interesting ending mainly because of the characters. She does a really good job in creating these characters. I'd say it's a very intelligent character building that this author has done. So the characters, you know, they're really strong personality. There's two main ones, this assistant and this author. Neither of them are really likeable. I didn't really like either just because, you know, they had – they were really rough and, you know, callous personalities which – is very human, you know, they want certain things for their career and they want to get it somehow and they're not always happy and nice. So in reading that, I was like, oh, I don't don't really want to read people being um, mean and, you know, maliciously ambitious. But I love how you said maliciously ambitious. Yeah. I was like, a-holes. That's what you're doing. <laughs> but the, the beautiful so thing is uh, the way this story kind of unfolds in the mystery, it wouldn't be as uh, – brilliant if they were nice people or if one of them was a nice good wholesome person like the way this ends and this is the reason it was recommended to me it's like up until kind of the end point it's like a crime mystery you know it's it's pretty good it's suspenseful things happen but just the way she kind of twists the story and how the characters end it's something that is uh, a little bit different to usual you know I was left with a bit oh like okay, like, good on them, but wow, you know. I can't – I'm not obviously going to give it away. but And I'm still kind of reeling from it. But as soon as I finished, I went straight to the person who recommended it and just spoke about it because I needed to, like – What the heck was this? Yeah. I was like, I'm not mad, but also I'm not satisfied, you know. And that was, like, the best way to be at the end of this book. Um, another fun thing about it, though, is, you know, how in crime books there's the stereotypes of a hero and a villain? This was so – like throughout it, I'm expecting this. I'm ex- who's the hero? Who's the villain? And I'm trying to put the hats on him. And neither of them really fit it. And I don't think at the end there really was a hero or a villain. Like if that interests yeah. anyone at all with this story, it's just a good way to spin that stereotype and still make me want to uh, cheer on somebody because they're the lesser of two evils or, <laughs> you know, that kind of concept where it's like, oh, I don't really like either of you, but if I have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, overall, I really liked it. It kind of reminded me of uh, The Safe Place. Uh, I think it was, yeah, I can't, yeah, you know yeah, that. Yeah, Down's novel. And I think it was literally just because of the same, you know, same someone gets fired from a job, winds up at a dream job, goes to this dream job and things start happening. Um, but, yeah, I really recommend. Uh, I think it came out earlier this month, so... I love it. You're like you said all of that. You're like I recommend it. I'm like really. Uh, it's not bad. It's it's alright if you want it's to like check you've it out. You sold it to me, but it's but there's disclaimer. But I, I don't it. want to be like she told me to read it and I do yeah. like it. So I'm like, look, if you want to go read it, <laughs> I liked it. It's like one of those movies where you sort of watch it and then you sit at the end. You're like the credits are rolling. You're like, 
don't know how I feel about this. Do, did I like this? Did I not? Am I going to watch it again? Is this going to be a cult classic? And you know the yeah. question going, this just defies. This is just the normal of what you're expecting. Yeah. I do that a lot. When that happens, that I usually end up loving it. Like six Most months later, I think about it. I'm like, actually, that was pretty I did that, that with really a good. Matthew McConaughey movie, Beach Bum. I've said this before on a podcast. Actually, you I'm haven't sure. spoken about this movie <laughs> before. I haven't heard this before. So <laughs> I want to hear Matthew this. McConaughey did this movie, this like trip out smoking weed sort of, he's a beach bum, but he's like a, a, a really, really um, like amazing genius poet, uh, poet and he went through this rut, etc. blah, 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 and Snoop Dogg's in it and there's a whole – like, no, no, you got to watch this movie. My partner and I just looked at each other afterwards going, I don't know if this was brilliant or I've just wasted two hours of my life that I'm never getting back. But, hey, look, 12 months later I'm still talking about it. Yeah, must mean Netflix something. said, but not when you want something to really move you. This That's is going to leave you with a question mark on top of your head going and, like, going to the kitchen going, right, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, again, watch it if you want. No, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Like, watch it if you kind of want. But don't don't come back to me later. Listen, I think what we're learning from this is that feelings about books are never black and white. They're usually grey. <laughs> I love that. I'm so, gonna, yeah, I'm that's, that's that what I live for. All right. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to use that. Okay. Do you want my pen? Control S. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I do yeah. control S. Oh, God, I'm such so lame. You trust it? No, no. No, I don't. Never. Um, yeah, let, are you done? You know, um, yes, well, I do more. have a second book yeah, um, if there's time. I want there to talk about. Time for you. <laughs> so, um, The Lamplighters was one I read a couple of books ago. Um, so, it, as well as a debut fiction, I don't know how I keep stumbling into these debut fictions, but they're really appealing to me right now. Um, so, this one is a contemporary fiction. So, uh, it also came out earlier this month by Emma Stonex, I think it's pronounced. Uh, so the hook for this one, Cornwall, 1972, three lighthouse keepers vanish from a remote rock miles from the shore. The entrance door is locked from the inside. Clocks have stopped. The principal keeper's weather log describes a mighty storm, but the skies have been clear all week. So this um, is a contemporary fiction. I know that sounds a bit like a mystery and there is a little bit of a mystery throughout, but the story, it's more, you know, it's jumping between um this 1972 night on the lighthouse where these keepers went missing and then into the present where their partners, you know, their wives and the girlfriend of one um, have to revisit this time in their lives. So it's more, you know, it's in the past we're jumping between the three perspectives of the men. In the present we're jumping between the three perspectives of the women. So there's a lot of jumping but in saying that I never really lost track of the story and, you know, each voice is obviously important to, you know, um, seeing what happened on that night, um, that no one knows what happened. And then also uh, witnessing how these women, you know, they're having to come face to face with this event that united them, but they're not united. So it's like the grieving process, how to grieve in the unknown when you don't know what's happened and just mending those relationships. You know, it's, it's a story of the complexities in these relationships brought about by circumstance. So that's do you find out what happens at the end? But that, of course the women don't We know. do, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so no the, one knows, but know. we know what happened to the men the, by the, the end. the men telling their story from... Yeah, so it's like we... It's like if you can visualise it, we're seeing that night and, you know, we're going to their perspective so we know their thoughts and it jumps around. So we see actually what happens to them. But no one knows because this lighthouse is one of those ones that's just 
out into the sea and you can see it from land but you can only get there from boat like it's just a lighthouse so kind of no one really knows the people just turn up the next day and the men aren't there so no one will ever know what's happened to them so these um women in the future you know there's they've got either kids good ending um i don't want you to spoil it i wouldn't say it's it's a modern contemporary fiction i wouldn't say it's a joyful ending oh not joyful but is it satisfying like do you actually know yeah is it like you find out what's happened um, and they elude to like the women come to some (laughs) sort of you know joining moment um so there is a sense of peace at the end acceptance of an acceptance and peace yeah the story is all about turbulent seas and storms and the mystery of what happened to these men and these women who've had you know differences in their past and the end kind of just ends in we know what's happened you know the women come to terms with never knowing what's happened a kind of scenario like that right so you it's just not aliens though no. Okay, good. All right, just <laughs> Mark, if it had been Mark was about to... If it, when he He'd jump to on it. He'd be like, yes, I'm on this. <laughs> He'd be like, have a field day. Let, yes, mm-hmm. more aliens. Yeah, it, it's more an exploration of these events. Mm. Control S. But I liked it. It's not bad. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I do really want to read that. It's another one that's on my pile for a little while. So thank you. I'll give it to you in a few months. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks, Ash and Zia. What have okay, you brought first? See, I always – you know what? I should go first next time <laughs> because sorry. I always feel so inadequate at the end going, look oh. at the smut I'm reading, with all respect to the author of what I'm reading. <laughs> um, so I uh, – while watching Netflix, I don't watch too much, but then you get the prompters and it says, Outlander Season 5 now available, and I'm like, oh, Sam Hugh and Jenny got the Fraser. photo and his shirtless. And his shirt and the, yeah. And I love me a Scott. Um <laughs> I do. They are beautiful. They are. My partner, my partner's <laughs> Scottish descent and I just adore him. Um, anyway, moving on, Sam Hewen. I had to. So I've read uh, um, the first still, one. St- still getting flustered from the sky. <laughs> oh so I'm trying to remember the first book, what it was called, and now I forgot. There it was, was just Outlander. Was it? Outlander, yeah. there was Voyager, then it was Dragonfly and Amber, and then there was another one that I've now forgotten as well. Drums but so, in Autumn? Maybe, yes. Yes, Drums in Autumn, that's yeah. right. So now I'm re-watching season four, so I remember what happened, and that was Drums of Autumn. And now season five was supposed to be The Fiery Cross and A Breath of Snow and Ashes. So I've started The Fiery Cross, which is about, I don't know, 700 pages, and then The Breath of Snow and Ashes is about <laughs> 1,000. Um, before, I like to read the books before I watch the show, although I love the show. Mm. I will, though, disclaimer, the first two and a half seasons – when they were in Scotland, they've just still like hold my heart. Okay, American Frontier. Hey, I grew up with Little House on the Prairie. That's how old I am. So I do have a little spot in my heart for sort of American Frontier stories and Sam Hewen. So yay, winning <laughs> combination. Um, so I'm reading, I'm starting to read those before I delve into season five and binge watch it for like a whole night or two. I can't remember, it was 10 episodes or something, a little bit over that. So... If you, if somebody doesn't know this genre, it's what fiction, sort of like fantasy, historical fiction. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah historical like, fantasy. Yeah, historical, historical fantasy. fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Historical and fantasy. and it's it's look, she's sold gazillion copies. You know, if um, she's quite Diana Gabaldon is is quite known in that genre, and um, a lot of people do like reading it. And the show sort of revamped her sales as well, mm. and so it's good. 
it's not an easy read, but it is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, she she does she does really like l- describing the landscapes and the history. She she does tie in a lot of true historical events in the fiction story of time travel through you know the stones and also the you know you always have to have your little mummy porn because you have to have the, like the love and the the romance and the, the intercourse and all of this that. This is kind a of safe stuff. space. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I know. Last you know, week we were that. talking about Look, like seven fifty shades. Yeah, shades yeah, of yeah so exactly. this is G rated. Okay, G. G? No. PG. No, not P. It's MA15. MA15. Yeah. <laughs> MA15. Uh, um, well, listen with discretion. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I really do like reading. Like I said, I've read the first four books. They're just really long. That's probably my only um, negative thing about th- those books. If you really just get it and it goes on and on and on. <laughs> but I'm, I'm hooked. So th- that's what I'm reading now. And I do love a good history um history lesson and she ties in where they meet one of the cool things she does is that she ties in meeting all these really well-known historical characters like proper like for example um when they went to the frontier and they were like fighting against slavery and and they were going no we 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 don't want taxes and blah 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 like stuff that was actually happening they they get invited by the the governor of the time, the British governor, to this dinner party, and they meet a young George Washington, and she knows who he is, right? So he was still very young, and she's like, "Oh, Jamie, he will be the first American president, and this, the, you know, he will be the ruler, and they'll beat the British, and blah blah blah." And you're like, "Oh yeah, a bit corny, but I get it." And then he, they do that as well in the first ones in France, and they do it in Scotland as well, like around real battles. And actually, you do get a kind of accurate history lesson if you're interested. And there's all the other sort of juicy bit. And he's so cute. It's, if you just it's like a sexier Doctor Who. I was thinking that. That's like, what I was thinking. Yeah. You know that episode of Doctor Who where they go back and it's Shakespeare and there's like saving him from ghosts yes. and then <laughs> like, his Be- companion ends up being the subject of that oh, one of the most I famous Shakespearean sonnets. It's, yeah. it's a great so moment. You kind of get a history lesson, yeah, you but get, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> this one this one's a little bit more. The costumes are amazing. The, oh. the landscape's gorgeous. Like in the show, can't in the show. But even in the books, the, the, her, the her descriptions when you actually watch the show, it's very adapted, very closely, and you go, oh yeah, I get it. And she's, you know, Claire, the 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 her protagonist or whatever. She's quite strong, and she's a healer, and she's annoyingly like righteous, whereas <laughs> and and it's like softened by the gorgeous redheaded Scotsman that she calls her <laughs> husband um, and yeah so that's what I'm reading now and I'm finding it a bit light uh, compared to the other stuff that I read about Rwanda genocide and history mm-hmm. and, and yeah. apartheid and all the other stuff that I read so this has been hey light Sometimes you need that light and fun stuff you do and you go through these ebbs and flows don't you like mm. you go mystery and then you go non-fiction fiction and then I don't yeah. know can I just say we've done nearly 40 episodes of this of this show and nearly 50 episodes of the daily booktobian and this is the first time we've actually talked about outlander really, really? which I feel ashamed about the fact that I've that is never the case them. thank yeah, you for oh. going on a, on a beautiful thank romantic you. rant about about a beautiful Scott and oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Fraser, God, she's and available funny, every week. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Funny, we had a um, we had one of our colleagues that worked here years ago. You would have known him, um, Chris, and yeah. he used to manage the DVD category. And I, he knows my obsession with Jason Momoa and <laughs> Sam Neill. And um, I have already met Jason Momoa. I said to him, Chris, because this was the whole Outlander thing, and I was talking about it, and I bought all the books because I've got a staff discount, and I was like, Yeah, I'm going to read these. Um, actually, Voyager was the first book I bought from Booktopia before I was employed <gasps> here. 
Really? Fact, fun wow. fact. Ooh, yeah. Wow. So anyway, I, I come, I go, Chris, you need to reach out to like Sony or whoever does this or whatever your contacts. I want a cardboard cutout of Sam Hewen in his <laughs> kilt so I could put at my desk. He no. did not deliver. Oh, mm. sad. I know, but that's what I wanted to put him in, um, you know, where the Winterfell area is, where yeah. the, that girl is. I called her Melanie. I, I don't know what her name is. Zoe Suggs. Zoe Suggs. There you go. I was For our listeners, we, we name our meeting rooms after famous locations in literature. So we've yes. got a Winterfell, a Hobbiton, a Valhalla. So Winterfell Camelot. is... Camelot. Yes. Yes. Camelot <laughs> with a round table. With a round table. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so... So I think Zoe Sugg could do with some company. She's been there for a long time. Especially, trying. especially so, if, so you have a, listeners, if you have Sam Hewen next to her. Listeners... If you have a Sam Hewen or Jamie Fraser <laughs> cutout, a large one, please send it care of our address found on our website. We'd be truly grateful. Yeah. Am I allowed to even do that? You are. Thank you. Please. Universal. If we've brought Sony. you any joy over the last year without <laughs> without without dumb podcast. Without without fun without without fun meandering podcast. Uh, every, so, I love it. You're week. like fun meandering and I'm like dumb podcast. <laughs> no, I People love, it. love it. It's good. And if we can get a cut out of Sam Hewen, this is all worth it. Forty episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All worth it. Without, that'll be like, right, we, we're done. Pack it up, we're done. <laughs> we've got to, we've got to cut out of Sam. Oh. Well, we're not quite done. No. Oh. Do you know what oh, time bo- it is? Wait, are you are you done? Sorry. I am so done. I'm, the, the 1,700 pages with two children, I'm not reading anything else. <laughs> All right. Well, it is time for Book Fight. <laughs> Weekly book trivia quiz that lives on in infamy. Oh, or will live on in infamy, I suppose. Hang on, just let me get my paper sorted because I, ha- I have like a special score sheet and I always forget to pull it out until the last minute and then I'm stuck trying to catch up with whatever points everyone has. <laughs> Liv, can I ask a question? And okay. please be honest. Oh. When you know I'm on the show, do you just make these a little bit easier? Or I try, no? and then then I never get them. Never okay, works. thanks. Thanks for <laughs> telling me what. <laughs> because, like, I think Nick and I have exhausted the first like two Google pages of uh, bookish literary yeah, trivia yeah. questions. Yeah. So, like, and I reckon sometimes when Nick's doing them, I recognise the questions. I'm like, we've got to be a bit more interesting. <laughs> well, how about we like expand it to sort I'm gonna of try. pop culture. Pop culture. Pop culture. Just, I know, guys, for Especially my about, about pop no. brain, that is... I'm so, I think one week, a few weeks ago, I got a very targeted question based <laughs> on a book I was currently reading and I almost couldn't remember the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I get nothing else. No, it's okay. Sometimes when Shanu was on, because she stresses about it, I will write her a question and be like... That's worse Who is though. this chef? And I'm looking at it, she's like, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I only know them by their Instagram handles. <laughs> oh, bless her comps. Oh, yeah, I know. It's so funny. <laughs> but I don't, I, I don't know authors' names. I just know okay. sort of books and what they're about. If you know I the colour of the book, they'll accept <laughs> it. <laughs> but, Which, diff- but different editions and different well, That's the risk you take. Oh, Listen, I'm hoping... Okay. I'm trying to educate our listeners as well about cool book <laughs> trivia. So and we're, we're ruining it. Okay, we'll be quiet. <laughs> no, it's fine. Can I please get your buzzer words, though? Oh. Is oh. going to be Jamie? No. Oh, God. No, God. <laughs> you should go with something like Scott. <laughs> I won't. I go... Sassanak. Sassanak. Oh, my God. Stop it. You're making me <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. And you tell me you haven't read them. I think you have. Um, uh, uh, fine. I'll, I'll go Scotland. <laughs> Oh, jeez. What was that? Beach bum? Beach bum. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. go beach bum. <laughs> I will go with, and I feel like I'm going to regret this, propaganda. <laughs> that's wordy. <laughs> propaganda. Maybe that's our advantage. Yeah, it is. 
He would only be up to prop. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like making up a rap about propaganda on the spot. Anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe it's that been a long be one day. of those things where we make up raps. Oh, yeah. Mm. Don't give me ideas. I, no. <laughs> okay, so I will be asking some book, tricky bookish questions and you'll have to battle it out to get the correct answer in first. So question one. Who won the Women's Prize for Fiction in 2020? I feel like, oh, uh, ooh, uh, propaganda? Yes, Nick. Was it Jess Hill? The See What You Made Me Do? No, you're thinking the Stella Prize. Oh, That's I Australian. Am. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Stella, my bad. Beach Bum. Yeah. Was it uh, that Hamnet book? Maggie O'Farrell. It certainly was. Yes. Oh, thank you. Well done. Go Ash. It's on my uh, to be read path. Yeah. <laughs> I love that book so far. It's on there because sorry. of you. <laughs> Because just like live now, I have to blurp I've that. Got to, I've got to put the crow voice. I'm I've got sorry. to put the crow sound in again. Sorry to our <laughs> listeners. Oh, at least it's not just me. Thank you. That makes me feel better. <laughs> I'm the second potty mouth here. Listen, I've talked about tampons on this podcast before. I feel like <laughs> hey, the F word's fine. Safe space. Oh, I'm so sorry to all of our listeners. All right, question two: The Sydney Writers Festival began in which year? Oh, Scotland. Yes. 1996. Eight, sixty-six. <laughs> gotta pick one. You said it. You gotta pick one. Oh, nineteen ninety-six. You're off by one year. <gasps> no, that's still fifty-fifty. Uh, propaganda. Okay, so I'm gonna say nineteen ninety-five. You would be wrong. No, nineteen ninety-seven. I'll give you that. See, ya. I knew it was. 50-50 chance, and of course Thank I you. guess yes, it I wrong. Yeah, and on. you say I don't help you. You do, <laughs> Olivia. You know, I, I will never say that ever again. Oh, I'm so devastated now. <laughs> I actually remembered you telling us yeah, from no. oh. I'm really glad. I thought no one would get that one. Anyway, question three. I'm going to describe the plot of a book really badly, <clears throat> and the first person to guess the book wins the point. Genre. Can we get a hint of the genre? She hasn't said it yet. No, she's going to tell us the plot, so just know that... Okay, it's a literary classic. Oh, yes, I might be good at (laughs) this. So, the new guy on the block goes to his weird rich neighbour's parties with his cousin. (gasps) Scotland! Yes. The Great Gatsby. You are correct. Yes! (laughs) Wow. I got two. Without cheating. This is not promising. Without cheating. Sorry, I'm getting too excited. Don't tell Mark. No, this is fun. (laughs) This is entertaining. I'm more enjoying it. Question four is a bit tricky. I'm sorry. Boz is the pseudonym of which famous 19th century author? They are mega, mega famous. Boz. Mm. B-O-Z. B-O-Z. 19th century? Yes. Is, it, is he Russian? Yeah, I need a, we need some, we need, I need a clue. Okay. D- He's like, English. Okay. Boz. And I also just told you it was a man. Whoops. 19th century. It doesn't help me. Um, Yeah, one of Western literature's most famous authors. So he's English. Please, sir, can I have some more? Oh, 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 propaganda. Oh, Charles Dickens. (laughs) Sorry. I believe the answer is Charles Dickens. I should have just said oh. I didn't want to say I was like I was thinking it was Charles like, like I was thinking how would I was thinking Charles Dickens but I was like how is Boz associated with Charles I don't know he would pub- he sometimes publish things under the name Boz well, like obviously not his novels unless but like, you said that I'd like, I'd like yeah. some more I wouldn't have get it I was thinking Victor Tromtokovsky of Crime and Punishment 
But then Miro I was like, he's Russian. He's, yeah, that's the one. Um, I can never pronounce that. I properly. love how how much one of the questions will be in the future will be spelled Dostoevsky. <laughs> yes, oh, I'm not even yeah. sorry. I can pronounce your Russian surname though. <laughs> I, I thought I was saying it right, and then you pronounced it Wasiliev. So I was like, oh, it's not V. My bad. Nah, Soz. All good. All good. All right. Question five: Which extremely popular children's author also wrote the script for the James Bond film You Only Live Twice? In 1967. Oh, uh, mm, mm, sorry. Hang on, wait. No, 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 no. I was th- sorry, I, I just had that. Scotland. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, yeah. Not Dr. Seuss, is it? No. No, 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 no. no. I'd pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. You will not a, kill me. It's a really, really famous author. <laughs> it's a really, really famous Yeah, really, author. really famous. English. Oh. <gasps> I'm going to need your buzzwords. Don't yell at the Scotland? Answer. Yeah. Oh, the, he's he's Swedish, I think. Hans Christian Andersen. He's it's not Hans Christian Andersen. <laughs> Again, I'd pay for that. <laughs> Did he do the Snow Queen? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, well, that's and Hansel and Gretel. I think that's the wrong century. Wait, wait. When oh, did Hans no, I, sorry, I got I got mixed up because Ian Fleming, like you mentioned James Bond, and I think Ian Fleming also wrote the Chitty 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 Bang Bang. Quite possibly. Oh, but he it's also not did Ian Fleming. It's not movie. him. Famous children's so, author. Really famous children's really author. Really famous English children's author. Still alive, right? No. Right. Oh, 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 uh, 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 propaganda. Yeah. Uh, Roll it is correct. Yes. We, you are correct, rather. It is Roald Dahl. He's pretty <laughs> yes. famous. He's I'll pretty famous. I, I even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took me a while. Got there in the end. Shitty bang bang. I just don't like, there was, it. like There was a similar children and the stealing. And yeah. It used to creep me out when I was little. I know. Little. God, children's film used to go so hard. <laughs> even, Char- even Charlie, Charlie in the, the Chocolate, Chocolate Factory, Factory is terrifying. Is. Oh, my God. Anyway. So terrifying. I know much. Oh, yeah, I agree. Anyway, sorry, moving on. Question. What number are you up to? Question six. Which famous American linguist, philosopher, and social critic had a new species of bee named after them in 2013? Okay. I know this. It's a female, isn't it? I'm going to need to hear your buzzword and a name. I don't know her name. I saw it in a doco with Nicolas Cage. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> so left field. going to give you a clue. Yeah. They were mentioned in this podcast today. Uh, 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 mm. Oh. What was the question again? Sorry. Which famous American linguist, philosopher, and social critic had a new species of bee named after them? Uh, I mentioned in the podcast today. Mm-hmm. Was it one of my books? I can't give you any more. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Going to need to hear your buzzword. <laughs> Propaganda. Yeah. Um, it's not Chomsky. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. <laughs> yes. You Sweet. said it's not. No, 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 no. But I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so this this is how I get away with it, saying it's not, is it? And then you say, so you yeah. don't look silly. So I've, I fell into a bad <laughs> trap a few episodes back, and I said, oh, it's not blood. It's oh, wait, not whoever it is. And then it turns out I didn't claim it, and it was the correct answer. Uh, so. uh, the name of the bee is, oh, God, I'm going to botch this. Megachild Chomsky. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to put it in the description. Yeah, it's put it in the description. <laughs> Some complicated Latin spelling that I can't. Anyway, question seven. Oh, this is a fun question. Which pioneer of science fiction is said to have lost her virginity to her future husband on the gravesite of her mother? Uh, propaganda. Yep. Surely not Mary Shelley. It was Mary Shelley. Oh, apparently. Mary. Mary, Mary. As if Mary. I am so proud of her. It's like, good for you, girl. <laughs> When like, your mother is Mary Wollstonecraft, Percy like was, a feminist pioneer, I think yeah. she'd secretly be happy about it. Percy was an interesting character. <laughs> yeah, certainly. We could do a whole trivia yeah, series. Let's not on go down. Let's Shelley's. not go down that road. 
All right, so on the eve of the final question, the scores are Ash on one point, Zia on two, and Nick on four. What? Should I make this super exciting and make this next question worth, like, three points? I mean, up to you, but I'll be a little bit sad because you've taken so many points off me over the t- over Oh, the I'm years. sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, okay no, that. don't, don't. I'm that's not a, guilt, that's not a guilt trip. Tie. Okay, you know what? This question's <laughs> worth five points because I want to make it interesting. Okay. Um. The Chase is the next cat and mouse thriller from Aussie oh, crime writer uh, Candace Fox. Where is it set? Propaganda. Uh, yes, Nick. Uh, uh, Arizona. Going to need you to be more specific. What? Specific. It's more specific. It's a prison in Arizona. Um, uh, Scotland. Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> Even more specific if oh, possible. It's central to the plot of the book. Is the state is the state the U.S. state correct? Yes. Okay, that's a good start. It's. <laughs> oh, um, God, I, I, I don't know if I can name it, if I can answer that. I'm going to give you a clue, and it's not like the answer, but it should give you a more specific pointer. Oh, uh, uh, prop, prop, no, oh, what? I don't want to say Las Las Vegas is in Nevada. Isn't yeah. It? Oh, uh. It, can you ask a question again now? I'm getting <laughs> the ch- Okay, where is The Chase, the next thriller by Candace Fox, set? Oh. Sorry, was that not clear? <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's a, yeah, well, I thought it was a prison in Arizona, but I can't, re- I can't remember the name of the prison. You know what? At this stage, I'm just going to, like, move on to a tiebreaker question because I think I've confused you. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> so it's like... Um, is, it, is it Las Vegas, Nevada? It's the Nevada desert. Oh, the Nevada desert. So give me a second while I pull up the Booktopia website and ask one of our classic questions. I already know the answer to it before you begin. God damn it, no. (laughs) You don't know this. You you won't. You might not. No, I'm just telling you not to go for the what's the highest selling book right now. (laughs) A Julia Quinn something. I was going to say Bluey. (laughs) Safe bet. No. (laughs) The last question. Sorry. The tiebreaker question for one point because I'm not that mean. Um, What is the number one... Fantasy and science fiction bestseller book right now. The number one book on the fantasy and sci-fi bestsellers list on Booktopia website right now. Uh, propaganda. Yes, Nick. Project Hail Mary. Nope. Oh. <coughs> Come on, Ash, you can do it. I'm gonna go with something like. Can I hear your buzzer first? Beach bomb. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe go with something. Sorry, I'm just trying to think. Like a chain of iron? No. Mm, I didn't know if it would sneak up in there. Mm. Um, I will give you a hint. I've been giving so many hints. Basically, this author has taken up most of the list um, and they write about the Fae. Uh, is it the Holy Black Fairings. books? No. Sarah J. Mars books? Close. <laughs> close to ooh, close to Sarah this J. This is meant Mas. to be my tiebreaker question. Oh. I'm not even in the tie, but here we go. Yeah, I know. I don't know where <laughs> this tie It's not even a tie. I'm just like, had to make up another question oh. on the fly because um, I confused you all. The Fae. The, you, um, proper, the, oh, oh, the author oh, was said. Oh, oh, oh okay. God, I just need God. the specific book um, title. God, I think. What are they called? Oh, it, it came out really recently, didn't it? No. Is it the. Uh, what is it? I haven't read these ones. Beach bum? Shadow and Shadow and I Shadow heard and Beach Bone. Bum. I heard Beach Bum. Is it a court of thorn and roses? You are correct. Oh, yes. Well done. Give her five points. You know, no, she needs to okay. win this. <laughs> the effort. 
<laughs> that was processing. That was. Five points, I reckon. That would make Ash the winner. Absolutely. Do would. we want to do I've never, No, don't do this. I've never won one. <laughs> I don't want to win it like <laughs> this. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> but that's a disappointing Nick, uh, Nick win. Then if you win. Yeah, no. Actually, I like that. What, a disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> Nick is our winner of four points. Oh, congratulations to me. Oh. Sorry, we weren't as were the adversaries. <laughs> Apologies, Nick, for making your win so Nick so had a runaway win <laughs> against where us. Where did all of this savagery come from? <laughs> it just took a It turn. came from the fact that it's like three o'clock on a Thursday yeah, afternoon. Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I need a cup of tea and a bueno chocolate bar. Oh, yes, please. Which I'm waiting upstairs for me. Anyway, Ooh, that's bueno. all we have time for this week. Thank you for putting up with us. We're ridiculous. And we really appreciate you tuning in every week. Um, thank you to Ash, Zia and Nick for joining me today on The Weekend Booktopian. Um, and thank you once again to all of our listeners. The Weekend Booktopian um, was hosted this week by me, Olivia Frico, and is produced by Nick Osiliev. You can find more episodes of the show as well as other fun podcasts on our SoundCloud and Apple podcast channels. And I believe we have new podcasts with Rick Morden and Amy Kaufman and Ryan Grodham. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Thank you, Nick. Um, you can also find more fun bookish content on our blog, The Booktopian, including, including a Q&A with Sarah J Maas and a guest blog from Aussie author Barry Devola on the inspiration behind his new book, Driving Stevie Fricasso. Thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to The Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.